But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I just wanted to uh, hang, or show you this picture. This is J.D. If you weren't here last week, he was our uh, worship leader candidate, and um, we loved him, and we voted unanimously to have him come and be our worship pastor, and he'll be here the 1st of June, which is not far off. So, um, I don't know. I think he, he's not here to hear it, but I think it would be a good thing to clap, just because that's a, a lot of work. Um, and his wife, Sarah, and daughter, Elise, will be uh, obviously here, too. Okay, a uh, little story that's more of a parable, but it's got a point to it. There were two fish that were swimming upstream, two young fish swimming upstream, and an older, wiser fish swimming this way. And the older, wiser fish said to the two young fish, Hey, boys, how's the water this morning? And the two young fish looked at each other, they went a little further, and they asked one to the other, what the heck is water? They were immersed in it, and oftentimes when we're immersed in something, we don't realize that we're even, that's just our worldview, the framework by which we see everything and in which we live. We meet, the Church of Jesus Christ has met for 2,000 years, every seven days. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's a long time. And every seven days to remind each other that there's, we need to immerse ourselves in the words of Jesus and kind of extract ourselves from the, the things the world is saying to us. Notice the difference and adjust ourselves to what Jesus is saying. Uh, there's, the truth is we, we all immerse ourselves. You can't get through this life without immersing yourself in something. And... Um, uh, a famous author who is no longer in this world, um, if I can get that quote up there, yeah, David Foster Wallace, very profound stuff. He's a, he was very much a skeptic and an agnostic, but he also said things that were profoundly true, and this would be one of those. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there really is no, or actually is no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everyone worships. The only choice we get is to is what we worship. We get to choose that. But there's no such thing as the blank slate that is not worshiping. You fill it with something. There are desires that come in, uh, things that we just get attracted to. And so uh, his point is, is a good one, and it fits nicely with a lot of the things that Jesus had to say. And we're going to listen to Jesus this morning, and uh, the words, I believe, will help us come to the communion table And we're going to treasure him there. That's going to be kind of our key word for us this morning, is treasuring Jesus. And um, so let me get that. This is the outline. Treasure hunting, we're going to use that term. Treasure hunting is good, but... And then we'll look at what the real problem is in those next verses. So from verses 19 through 21, these are very famous uh, verses on, that end with where your, um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. So you find a person's treasure 
you look around and their heart is right nearby. But we, the first thing we want to notice is that Jesus doesn't, isn't saying treasuring is bad. In fact, every human being, you're a treasurer, not in the sense of like force an organization, but we all treasure things. And that's really to be human is to treasure things. Um, my, my wife treasures going to a place where she finds value, and it's called value. Every voice I heard had a higher octave to it. I do not go to Value Village. I'm told that men do go there sometimes, but I don't want to be the first one. And, um, but she goes there, and she comes home, and she'll say to me with a big smile on her face, guess what I got for two bucks? And then she'd say, like, you, you can go to Nordstrom's and pay $200 for this same thing. And I'm, and I'm always amazed. That's my part in the, in the deal there. But um, w- w- she treasures that. Now, let's just take it back a little bit further. Uh, I was 30-some years ago uh, treasure hunting, and I found Patty. What a deal, right? And she is a treasure, and she's not here. You can clap all you want, but I'll, I'll tell you a clap, some of you anyway. And, uh, but we, we, we treasure uh, things in that way. Now, now, to believe in something, we just said the Apostles' Creed, right? You, you've said that, and it starts out with what two words? I believe. What if we were to say instead, I treasure? Isn't it different? And there's nothing wrong with I believe, but sometimes we leave belief in this sort of concept category. To treasure someone is to, is to really, I mean, it's a relational thing when you say I treasure you. And this is what that word does to us. So, okay, uh, I've got a picture here. I have friends here from Alaska. And uh, this is a really cool picture. Get ready. There it is. That's me. But don't notice me. What, what do we know? Okay, these guys right here from Alaska. Okay, that's on the Kenai River where, where these two live. And they're, they're grateful friends from my past. I'm great to have, great to have them here. And, uh, but I'm telling you, what do I treasure in that picture? Yeah, don't, hey, you know, I, I know it's bad when I, I said I treasure Patty, but the picture I have is of a fish. I know that. That's not good. But I really treasure, I treasure, treasure fly fishing. And just to let you know, I treasure that fish so much that I released it, which some of you just don't get. Just like I don't get why you go to Value Village. And I know, especially women, don't get why you'd ever catch and release things. Well, it's just, it's, it's just part of the treasuring of a big rainbow trout. And by the way, that's a big rainbow trout. I want you to pay attention there. Um, I, I, hey, we love to brag about things that we treasure, right? Okay? Okay. I'm doing it. So, point being that Jesus acknowledges in this passage that as a human being you are going to be treasuring something. Now, why would that be? I'm going to give you the most foundational answer the Bible gives, and that is that God is a treasurer. He's a treasure hunter himself. God treasures creation. We find that in the creation story. It was good. God called it good. And at the end of the creation story, it reaches its climax when he creates men and a man and a woman, that's us folks, and he says it's very good. And we are treasured above all in creation. This is the Bible. This is the central storyline of the Bible is that we are treasured by God. That's the, it's just, it's just good, good news, gospel stuff. Now we find that specifically mentioned when um, the, the, the world that Jesus was living in was getting fuzzy on who God 
was really about. And, and he wanted to bring clarity. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories. The story of a lost coin, the story of a lost sheep, and the story of a lost son. And we tend to focus on the story of the lost son. But the lost coin is about a woman, that's where it starts, a woman who had ten coins, and she loses one, and she sacrificially searches, looks everywhere, until she finally finds this coin, and when she finds it, she throws a party. And that is to illustrate, Jesus is saying, this is what God is like. God is a treasure hunter, and you are worth way more than a coin, or way more than a sheep. But that's where he starts, is with the coin. So God is a treasure hunter. We are made in God's image. Therefore, we treasure and value. Uh, people, things, whatever. We, we, just, we have this ability to get things in here. And our hearts go to what we treasure. Christianity is, and, and Judaism, which, uh, from which we come, are both very um, treasure-friendly religions, if I can put it that way that uh, Judaism in Psalm Psalm 37 verse 4 delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart so think about that first of all you delight yourself in in the Lord and then whatever else is on your heart he's going to give you but as you delight yourself in the Lord it sort of flushes out some of that fluff okay so the key is to delight yourself in the Lord treasure the Lord be another way to put it and he will give you the real treasures that you really want and it may not be what you think so we find that and then in other religions in the world there are different takes on this and the one that's at the other extreme would be Buddhism and I I don't want to slam Buddhism it has some wonderful things about it but the part that agrees with Jesus is that if you if you set your heart on the wrong things the things that have that, that moths can eat or things that can rust or dry rot or fall apart or the mariners <laughs> 40 years you know I think they should do away with that campaign 40 years is a long time to not go to the World Series okay you've heard me say it but if you set your heart on the mariners or on a sports team or on anything in this world you will be disappointed you will be anxious and I've, you, whatever is on your heart, you can just do the test. The things that you've set your heart on or that you've treasured and your heart is there as well where you've experienced anxiety and disappointment or disillusionment. So that's Buddhism is saying, look, you're better not to desire at all. You're better to raise up to a higher spiritual level where you flush out all those desires and then you, you'll have a basically a happier life and you can see the logic in it and Jesus agrees with it to a point but then Jesus takes it way beyond that and he kind of (laughs) it's not about not desiring it's about getting your desires in the right place getting your loves ordered correctly is how Augustine said it in the 5th century and if you can invest your heart if you can treasure that which is eternal that will be valuable 2 million years from now just, I know you're thinking about your calendar this week, but just think two million years out. And that's not an extreme in the, in the worldview of a Christian. That, that what's going to be valuable in two million years? I want to see all you folks then. I really do. It means a lot to me to see you then. 
And uh, if, I, if I started thinking that, even, okay, 2,000 years, that might be a little easier. I know 100 years would be enough. But to make the point, what is eternal? What can you value? And then that will still be there. And when, you're, when you treasure that, which is not going to be there, it messes with you. It really has a bad effect on your life. So what's the, the problem Then Jesus identifies it in the next verses? The problem has to do with our eyes. And I'll just read those verses uh, for you, at least two of those verses. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You see, our eyes uh, need correction, and our, our, we don't always see correctly, but, and when we don't see correctly, our whole body is a, it messes with our whole lives. It's not just our eyes. And so what is it about our eyes? It's our perceptions. We get the perception wrong, and we come to this place to get our vision corrected every seven days. It's the way it works. So let's let Jesus do that today, and we'll have opportunities around the community table, and and hopefully you'll hear the voice of his spirit this morning uh, whispering to you in some way. Well, let me, let me just give you a couple of the ways that um, I have seen people getting um, mixed up on... You know what I forgot to do here is, is get you some artwork that validates... Okay, before I go on, life is what? I'll tell you when it's good. It's good when you know that God treasures you and when you treasure him. You are in sync. And that's just the best moments of life right there. All right, when you get out of sync, you don't see correctly. And part of not seeing correctly, for some reason, Americans, and it's not, it probably just isn't just Americans, but the research has been done mostly on Americans, and not just Americans, but American Christians, when our income goes up, the percentage, the percentage that we give goes down. It makes no sense, really, does it? I mean, isn't that, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, or at least from a certain view, that doesn't make sense. That you'd think that when people's income goes up, that they would give more away, they would have more to give away. But, but there's, um, let, me, let me try to explain to you why that might be. Um, the Gallup, a Gallup survey recently said that people define rich very consistently across the different economic strata. So somebody who makes $25,000 a year, that's a very low figure, I think we would all agree, for these, this part of, uh, of uh, the world. And, but they would define somebody as rich who makes 50000 a year. Got that? So it's, this is very consistent. So guess what people who make 50000 define rich as? Two times 50 is 100. Guess what people who make 100,000 define rich as? 200,000. And it just keeps going. I mean, I don't know where it ends, but it, that's the research that we have. How can that be? Now, we know that if, uh, I'll just give you a fact, that is if you make $37,000 a year, which would be very low again in our world, you're in the top 4% of income earners in the world. So, but what we tend to do is look to people up here and think we're poor as opposed to looking to people down there and thinking that we're rich. See, our eyes play games with us. Uh, 
Andy Stanley has uh, this quote. Yeah, most Americans will spend the lion's share of their time and energy trying to cross a finish line that they probably crossed tens of thousands of dollars ago. 1990, I I read an article about Bill Gates. And Bill Gates at the time, believe it or not, was only worth $8 billion. So, uh, and and at that time... People don't realize this because of his generous work with philanthropy. He's, I mean, he's. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm just so thankful that he does. That he and Melinda do all that. I, we talk about Bill and Melinda as if you know. I mean, who are they? Wouldn't know me from anybody. But we all talk about them now. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Well, um, at that time, he was criticized because he had not given. He'd given very, very little away. And in this article, he talked about how one day he would, and he has. But he also talked about why it's hard to give money away. And it, he said that it's all paper wealth. You know, okay. But then he said, I feel like it could all go away tomorrow. There was, a, there was a baseline fear that he was honest enough to, or vulnerable enough to expose. And that's, I think we get that. Whether we have $8 billion or $8 in our, on our balance sheets, we get that. Well, um, it's, our eyes are uh, easily deceived, and um, for all of us, just to illustrate that maybe a little bit more, the Seattle Times on Friday had an article about house, house values, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but basically the gist of it was, if you live on the east side and you own a home, the average increase this last year was $150,000. You're all, are you wealthy or not? Yeah, I mean, nobody feels, remember this, nobody feels like they're rich. Doesn't matter how, where you are. But the average price did go up by $150,000 in the last year, if you're, a, if you're a homeowner on the east side. So, uh, and maybe that just illustrates the point that Jesus is saying that it is all paper money. That whatever it is, it's just, it's temporary. It's corruptible. Moths can eat paper. Fire can burn paper. Whatever it is, it could all go away tomorrow. We could have the great earthquake that's been predicted for how many years. Whatever it is, it's, it's susceptible. So fix your eyes on what, that which is not susceptible. Okay, so treasuring, um, treasuring, treasuring. Let's get back to that word and we'll come to the table and treasure the presence of the Lord there. So we come together every seven days to examine our have our eyes examined, have our hearts examined. And as we learn what treasuring is all about, um, I want you to think about how God has uniquely made this plateau to be a place, uh, somehow, where people are moving from all over the world and people who God treasures. It's an amazing thing. And if you're, if you're from someplace else in the world, I know some of you are from other countries, and I just want to say we're so glad you're here. You add to us immensely. Thank you for being here. And um, I believe that in this campaign, as we, as we get into it more and more, that, it, that you'll see that's really what it's about. That's at the heart of it. That's, the, that's where the gist of it is. It's about reaching our diverse world for Jesus Christ, and that ought to excite your hearts. But what does that treasure what does that look like, that treasuring thing? I want to just give you a, a thought on this. One, is, one thing is that uh, for me personally, I did a lot of, um, when I was in the business world, I volunteered as a youth 
volunteer on Sunday mornings and then, and I've had it happen many times since as a pastor, you get that phone call or maybe an email from somebody who you spent time with 10 or 20 years ago. It's such a, teachers, I just, teachers have this in their world. It's really cool when a student from way back comes and, you know, they were maybe the worst kid in the class and, you know, and they call you and they just, 20 years later, they appreciate everything you did for them and it's that kind of thing that happens. It happens with pastors too. What a blessing that is. I treasure that. And I've had that happen a number of times. And you, some of these people are people that you were just being there with them. You were sacrificing a little bit of your time to help them get through a rough patch in life. But just being present with them meant everything. And they just want to let you know what a beautiful thing. Now, take that out. That's the past, looking back. But take that out 2,000, 2 million years from now. And it might not eternity be that place where just a whole bunch of that's going on based on people's investment in the kingdom of God and how they also treasured with God the people that he loves coming here from all over the world. And those people say, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Because it was your generosity, it was your sacrifice that helped me understand who Jesus Christ is. That is treasure. So what I want to do is, as we come to the table, I'm going to ask Pastor Nancy to come on up here. We're going to have some help uh, with the uh, communion table. And um, I want to confess before we do that. And I'll lead us through a confession that is meant to prepare our hearts and do that eye exam work that only God can do. So if you can just repeat these or say these words with me. Almighty and most merciful Father, who treasures us with great love, we confess that we have strayed from you like lost sheep, following the desires of our own hearts. We have treasured things that will fail us sooner or later and have not treasured you. Let's just pause there to allow the Spirit to work.